Hey, so what happened that time? I don't know. Skype was like, oh, oh, you want to start Skype? Okay, let me start Skype. This week on Dueling Review, we take a look at Vigilante Southland number one. Donnie was feeling pretty settled in his cushy life. Even though his girlfriend was politically active, he never gave social justice or racial issues any time. So, when Dory discovers something she shouldn't have and ends up dead, no one expects Donnie to be the guy to carry on her work. But that's exactly what he does, putting on a mask and taking to the streets. He soon finds himself tangled in family history, political conspiracy, and a plot that goes far deeper than he ever imagined. All right, Vigilante Southland. What's going on with this book? So it's a comic book. Apparently it is because it has pictures and words, but I'm not under I'm not sure that the that the first issue tracks correctly. I definitely agree with you in terms of just the plotting and the way everything comes together. It feels like we should on these first pages it feels like we should know something. Like the implication is that somehow we've seen this character before or as a reader, it feels like the writer feels like we should know. Well, I know we're getting a bit of a, uh, a flashback, right, where we're having the guy do his thing and then we flash back to his girlfriend, wife, whatever she is. Um, right. Uh, you know, getting murdered because she's actually the vigilante. Right. But there's a lot of stuff going on in this story that, you know, on one page, you know, there he is full dreadlocks and everything girlfriend dies next shot he's all shaved yeah. everything's cleaned up hair shaved off etc 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 everyone says right. they're sorry uh then the next panel he goes to his uh i guess dad the next page he's at his dad's place and he's like dad i need to know what's going on you know something because his dad's in there do well apparently and then right. the very next panel or the next page they're out busting up the streets like a team together when just the previous page that he was saying i don't want anything to do with you and his dad's like, listen, yep. young tiger. I don't know. It's I, just really weird. And then like the, the scene where he's where he's uh, harassing the uh, the junkie mm-hmm. and he and he holds up. I mean, we saw previously that he discovers his his girlfriend or wife's um, uh, Dory's costume and mm-hmm. her electrified um, uh, mace star things. Meteor whip, I think. But when it. he uh, but when he's harassing the the junkie. He holds up something that looks like a rope, but you don't see the morning stars attached to the end. So you don't even know what he's holding up. And then right, his, and right. then his, then his dad's like, Oh, so you've been practicing with those things. It's like how much time has passed. Yeah. It's at this, one this point story there's makes a caption no that sense. says later. There's a lot in, in terms of, of characterization and, and placement and setting. There's a lot to like here, but yeah, I'm not sure at all about the plotting. I'm not, I don't know. First of all, the thing about your vigilante is a vigilante pitch has to be something really, really unusual if it's going to stick. This is like DC's 10th vigilante, I think. And the, unfortunately, been, uh, the vigil, unfortunately, the vigilante people are going to know the most is the cowboy vigilante. Right. Because of uh, Justice League animated series. Yeah, or at least the, definitely the the most visible. Right. And even the people who you know who might have read the Adrian Chase stories—that's twenty-five years ago now. Yeah, since Although it wasn't a vigilante in um, uh, Seven Soldiers of Victory with um, was it Morrison? The original cowboy vigilante yeah. was briefly. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm all up for I'm all up for this this kind of a tale. And here's the weird thing: as I was reading this, oh man, back when we were in college. 
I had right. this idea for a guy who had a suit, and it was actually a suit that his girlfriend, who was a police officer, had confiscated, and she had uh, decided that she was going to take the law into her own hands, and she stashed it away at their apartment. She was murdered. He finds it, and then he becomes a vigilante. So there's a lot of similarities between this as I was reading, and I was like, holy cow, this sounds like something I was thinking of, you know, 20-plus years ago. Right. But mine had a lot more nefarious uh well, yours in was set in Gotham it. City. Too. No, 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 no. Mine was set in in a, a West Coast town, uh, probably Col- Los Angeles. Col- but it, Col- there was this whole mind control cult and everything going on in my story, which hopefully doesn't appear in this, because if it does, then I'm going to be really tripped out about it. Well, you know, there's only a limited number of things that could happen in the universe. Yeah, true. Uh, I this, think go ahead. That, I, I think that the big positive of this is the art. Yeah, that and was that's pretty good. I enjoyed that. It feels like there are conscious attempts by the artist to try and give us to give us visual cues to things that may not necessarily be in the script. And I know that that's me definitely projecting, but it kind of feels like we're dealing with someone who maybe isn't used to plotting everything in terms of a 20 page comic, working with an experienced artist, uh, Elena Casagrande, who is very good at putting these things onto the page. So, I mean, it looks good and it definitely has a gritty feel. And I think it's going to appeal to the people who are into that whole kind of, uh, you know, make your own Batman thing that isn't Batman. Yeah. That gritty sort of street level fighting thing. I'm just, especially as we get to that final page, because the final page is really weird He's walking. He's like, okay, I'm going to go check this out. All right. Somebody can ID him. You stay here. Okay, fine. And he walks up. And then we cut to a, this huge wide shot yeah, this and an building explosion. explosion. Yeah. And I'm like, we don't have an establishing shot of the building before we see it explode. So at this point, well, I'm like, wait, did I miss the stairs? Page? We see him walking up the stairs. We see him walking upstairs, but what are they attached to? Yeah. We don't know. Well, presumably the building, but. Yeah, I, I don't I know. I just that, but presumably I I don't know. There's something about this that this week on Zag on Film, we're watching Shaft and we're talking about mm-hmm. black exploitation and what the what the positive aspect of the black exploitation, at least the original black exploitation films, uh, Shaft being the most popular one that kicked off everything else that eventually devolved into the bad areas of black exploitation. Uh, but this one seems to kind of want to pick up in the mid range of trying to say something about young black man, but at the same time reinforcing negative stereotypes about the young black man in this thing. And that's the thing that just seems really weird about it. And so I've been thinking a lot about the black exploitation films and uh, because we'd watched shaft and we had an interesting discussion about it. Um, But it just seems it, it seems rather weird. This book kind of fits in that middle ground of the positive and the negative things about, about that genre. I can definitely see that. I think my big complaint about this is that, and this is industry-wide, not necessarily just DC or even just this issue, there's now a first-issue formula that goes, start in media res with a fight, have something happen, and then flash back and tell the character's origin how to get up, how they got to this point. And it does not serve this story well. No, I understand I don't, I don't think so why either. they... I understand why they did it, because they wanted to get otherwise. If they didn't do the flashback, there would be nothing up front. There would be Mm -hmm. no appearance of the vigilante 
in this issue. And it gives you a way to go, here's some really good stuff up front. Now that you're with us, come with us on this journey. And it's not a technique that is 100% flawless, first of all. And it's not a technique that I feel like needs to be hammered home so often. I mean, tons and tons of, I would say, maybe more than 50% of the new 52 books did this. They start with, oh, and here's a story and a literal record scratch. I bet you're wondering how I got in this situation. Yeah. Uh, metaphorically speaking, anyway, it just, I don't know. I was not as bothered by the possibility of negative stereotypes for a couple of reasons. I, I did a little bit of homework on the writer. Okay. Um, and the writer Terry himself, Phillips. first of all. Yeah. Oh, I was, Gary I Phillips, was concerned. Sorry. Gary Phillips. I was concerned because I'm like, man, if this came out of the the standard enclave at, at, at DC or Marvel, mm -hmm. I'd be worried. Gary Phillips is actually from this part of the country. He is mm -hmm. an African-American. He's mm -hmm. based this character partly around his son. Mm, okay. So I'm like, I'm, I'm a little more comfortable on that territory simply because it's not like, I, I hate to throw out the name like this, but it's not a, another Brian Bendis take on a person of color. Mm-hmm. You know, so at that level, it really did help me kind of smooth out what felt like some rough edges with the interaction of this father and the son and the possibility and the, well, he is smoking marijuana yeah. early in the story. Right. And just playing but, basketball all day and his girlfriend's, mm -hmm. you know, chastising him for just sitting on the couch, getting high and playing right. basketball and not doing his job, which apparently he's a janitor at the, at the college because he used to be a, a basketball mm -hmm. star who, you know, washed out overseas his father uh, seems to be some sort of uh, mobbed-up criminal guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at least he owns a nightclub with, um, I don't know, uh, yeah, some bad connections. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't. I mean, to me, it doesn't matter. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So if Gary, if if uh, if the writer is uh, basing this on his son, uh, mm. yeah, I can see where you're coming from for that. But for the reader, who's not going to go out and do research on mm. the author, this kind of this just comes off weird and I'm not saying it's bad. I, I'm not I'm right. going into the black exploitation thing. I'm not saying that this is bad. It just had me thinking about that because it's on my mind, but there's right. just some, the problem is there's a lot of awkward transitions and things going on in this story yes. that made me go in. I can't track. I really cannot track how this story is supposed to flow. It, it feels like there's a lot of moments in the story that, are meant to be very powerful, but don't feel like they have the legwork behind them to make them so. Because mm -hmm. we see a very brief scene where Dory is running around in what seems to be a vigilante uniform. Right. But it's done so quickly and it's so dark that we don't have, I mean, we don't even have a full confirmation. I can't tell you if it is a vigilante uniform or just something with stripes on it. True. That's, I mean, I mean except that's that we've biggest, seen, except we've seen the costume at the beginning of the, of the issue, and we know the boyfriend finds it in her box of things. Well, her costume is not the costume that he's wearing at the beginning of the mm. issue. Because she has centered V's and his are all off-center. Mm. Maybe he didn't Unless put his costume somehow, on. Or maybe he had to adjust it because she's smaller. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it I'd be interested weird. in seeing more of this. This is a six-issue mini? Yeah, it's a six-issue mini series, And surprisingly, this is not... Out of Vertigo Comics, this has the DC Comics imprint on it, which is interesting because it does show the marijuana use. It does have some strong language in it. Um, and I was like, wow, for a DC Comics imprint to have this, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. 
and they they may be intentionally trying to court different audiences. Maybe. And I think that, I mean I don't have a problem with smart. that, but uh, but that originally, is totally smart. I just don't feel like this is going to be the comic that sells that concept and really courts that audience or revives the vigilante big time in the 21st century. I agree with you that I kind of want to see where this is going because I only want to see if the second or third issues fix the big problems that I have with this first one in terms of how the story is going. But again, here's the thing. Sometimes, you know, creators sit and they're like, okay, this story is going to take place over six arcs. And so I'm, I'm structuring, I'm not saying this is how this writer did it, but I'm going to structure my story so that, you know, you don't hit, you know, the the first arc until the end of of issue one. And then everything doesn't make sense until issue four. And then we have our conclusion by the time we hit issue six. And they're really writing it as one giant story over, mm-hmm. you know, 122 pages. Uh, Grant Morrison does this a lot. And it's when you're reading the individual issues, you're like, this doesn't make any sense. But then by right. the time you're concluding is you're like, oh, this is brilliant. Or if you it read all, it all it, in one it, go, it's like, it oh, all this makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of yeah. I'm kind of wondering if that's what's going on here as well, because um, even when you're reading serialized stuff right. um, by, you know, writers that that we know that we can just throw out there, even though it may be a six issue arc, each chapter has its own beginning, middle and end. Mm-hmm. And this one just didn't feel that way to me. It just it felt like, I don't know, I, I, I want to read more just to see if it if it makes right. more sense. To see if there are if there are continuations of story beats or, or bits of, of business in here to where it's not a question of unskilled writing, but a question of not breaking it up appropriately for the 20 page format. Which yeah, I agree with you. I do. I, w- I will give this based on this issue. I would give it three issues. Oh, you would give get it three its, issues. OK, I'd give it three to get its act together because you figure issue one, the big debut, they have to do a lot of establishing issue two. We're going to see some, you know, major whatever it is. We're going to get a little bit of the thing. By issue three, we usually have a feel for whether it's a secret in the sense of, you know, oh, my God, what terrible thing lies at the center of the House of Secrets or Mm -hmm. season two of Lost. Right. And that that really is going to be kind of the turning point for me is not necessarily do I like this character or what is this character doing, but. Is this story going to be coherent? Is it going to be cohesive? Something Mm -hmm. that puts the vigilante at a point where if he is, and he seems to be uh, at least a remote part of the DC universe, if he is somehow, you know, drawn into Teen Titans or drawn into Outsiders or drawn into whatever down the line. Right. Are they going to just ignore this and retcon it like they have so many mm-hmm. six issues in the past? I like the character of Donnie. I want to see his story, but the and I like the mysterious uh, mother-in-law, uh, Dory's mother, who apparently knows all the answers and is keeping some secrets of her own. I kind of I kind of dig that, but there are yeah, you're right. But there are a whole bunch of other things that like people just pop in and pop out, and mm-hmm. they're just they're super mysterious and they're super weird. And you only get them for like two panels and then they're gone. And it's like, okay, so what, what does this mean? What is, you know, what is this relationship? What is this, what's going on? And it doesn't feel like there's a strong establishment in this. So I, you know, three issues, I'll probably try it that far just mm-hmm. so I can see if the story improves. But right. I feel kind of, if I make the issue three, I might as well, you know, go all the way to the hill six. and go all the way to six. Well, this week I bought issue three of six pack and dog welder. Oh Yeah. And this is going to be the that thing because if six pack and dog welder is that also does, a mini? Yeah, it's a six okay. issue mini. 
if it hits the same way issue two hit me, then I won't be coming back for issue four through six. Mm. But if it hits me the way issue one hit me, I could be back for four through six. And it really is that question of we're at the point now in that series where it's the turning point. Yeah. And I feel like I can give this book at least that much. I can give it a Bendis conversation, which is to say three issues, 60 pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, actually, I like the fact like that we're getting a, yeah, I, I like the fact that we're getting a hero in Los Angeles or at least yes. in, in the Southland. I like that. I like that setting. I like, yep. I kind of like some of the setup in this. And so overall, if I were giving this a meatloaf rating or a star rating or, you know, however many thumbs ups kind of rating, this would be, you know, three of those. I can't right. give it a total five, but I can definitely give it strong three. It's better than average, but I do have concerns. I would go 55 to 60% of any given rating measure. So that would equate to on our a five D? stars from the website. Of, no, oh. that would be a D. That would be a C plus, a B minus, actually. Um, well, not a B minus, but it would be in there where, yeah, three out of five stars, three slices of yeah. meatloaf. It's definitely something that I want to know what it is. I want to know more about it. But the way this issue is presented makes me worry that the delivery of that information and that additional story is going to be more frustrating than the payoff of reading the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Well, I hope it does have a conclusion. I hope it doesn't get to you found Mr. Big and then suddenly. Right. DC comics. If you want to see more of Donnie as the new vigilante. Yeah. I, I kind of feel that that's how it's going to be. It's like, I've met Mr. Big. I've become vigilante. The mm-hmm. series has ended, but Mr. Big is still out there and I must continue the fight. With yeah. nothing ever resolved. I mean, this, I guess, and, and this is probably a bad example, but I guess I don't see Donnie as upset mm-hmm. over the loss of his girlfriend slash wife right. in this piece. As you'd expect to yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, I almost feel that he would be like, um, 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 what's his name, in Lethal Weapon kind of upset. Not, I mean, not like suicidal kind of stuff. This but feels just like. like Super angry. Johnny Wick upset. This feels like yeah. I am now prepared to f up some people. I'm going nests. to go dig up my basement for right. my buried gold. You killed my dog. Now prepare to die. Yeah, and yeah. I enjoyed this, John Wick. I didn't, but yeah, it, it's another story that has its moments. But the delivery mechanism yeah. of the good parts was such that I didn't want more. Mm-hmm. Of that delivery mechanism, no matter how much you got to the end of that and felt, OK, I am satisfied that he killed the little Russian goober. Mm-hmm, 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 and I yeah. hope, you know, th- that this story avoids the pitfalls of that. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I like the listeners the like the suit, oh, yeah, the suit looks cool. I like it. I like the Morningstar things. Um, yeah. I like the the mm-hmm. offset V's because vigilantes have been coming around for oh god there's like five new vigilantes since adrian chase who all have the v motif in their costume and have Mm -hmm. tried to channel that adrian chase black and white uniform that was so epic and it's hard and this one manages to do something new and something good with it and the best part is the v's are subtle yeah. To where they might not even be V's at all. It may just be a chevron pattern built into a jacket, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you think this is more Adrian Chase uh, adaptation than just trying to continue on from the I Saunders of there, version? There are elements of both Adrian and uh, Greg Saunders in this. Have there and, been of any of the other ones? Mm-hmm. 
Oh, wait a minute. Here we go. What is the name of the girl? What is the name of the girl in this um, in this series? We know it's Dory, but what's her last name? I don't know. Uh, I'm looking here on the wiki. Dorian Chase, the most recent vigilante, appeared in Nightwing 133 to 137. Oh, but this is a a guy. That's a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dorian Chase was a dude. Let's go to the page where she dies, dude. I don't know if it says her last name because they're just Dorian Smallwood. Oh, Smallwood. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, there you go, listeners. Dorian Chase was the a guy vigilante, and before that, yeah, I remember that one. The only female vigilante, I think, is Pat Travers, who was a Gotham City cop. Back in the days of Deathstroke in the 90s. Pat Trace? Pat Trace. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. In Deathstroke. She's the one who had, she had the white puffy vest over (laughs) basically Adrian's costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I dig the vigilante original costume. Yeah, I dig that. It's kind of cool with the uh, ski goggles and everything. But Yeah, the black and white with the red and blue outlay just mm-hmm, amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, it's Perez drawn, which means he spends a lot of time in shadows where all you see are the white outlines. Yeah, yeah. All right, listeners, there you go. There's a look at uh, Vigilante Southland number one. Kind of mixed reviews. You might want to go check it out yourself um, and uh, maybe support it. It is something di- very different. Again, it's. I was surprised it was not a... Um, vertigo comic yeah all right coming out next week from dark horse comics we have alistair and adolf uh hardcover i think that's the alistair crowley and uh adolf hitler uh story if i'm not mistaken you also get you also get a muhammad (laughs) ali hardcover next week and uh witcher 3 wild hunt uh, um figures all from dark horse comics dc comics says aquaman number 10 batman number 10 catwoman election night number one Oh, yeah, just in time for the election. What? Yeah, Catwoman election night number one. Cyborg number four. Flintstones number five. Green Arrow number 10. Green Lanterns number 10. Nightwing number eight. Shade the Changing Girl number two. And Wonder Woman's 75 box set. 75th anniversary box set. That's a $50 collection if you want to grab that. I know nothing else about it beyond the title. There's also a Teen Titans The Silver Age Omnibus Hardcover Volume 1. That is $100. Which might be worth picking up. Might be, yeah. Over at IDW Publishing, we have Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, the hardcover. Uh, we have Revolution number four of five. ROM number four. Uh, Skylanders Dive, Dive, Dive hardcover. Dive, Tra- Dive, Dive! Transformers Tell All Are One, Revolution tie-in number one. Tell All Yeah. Image Comics has Bitch Planet number nine. Eclipse number three, Eden's Fall number three, Mayday number one, Nailbiter number 26, and Wicked and Divine number 23, among others, including Walking Dead number 160. Ooh. I bet somebody dies in that issue. Marvel Comics says oh. Avengers 1 now, Civil War 2, Amazing Spider-Man t- trade paperback, Death of X number three, uh, Scarlet Witch number 12, Spider-Man 2099 number 17, Spider-Woman number 13 now. And uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl Hardcover Volume 1, $35 book right there. Wow. That's a hardcover. So take that into account. You think people like hardcovers or softcovers more? I like hardcovers more, but I like the price point on (laughs) softcovers. I think we all do. And I I like not having to carry a short box full of hardcovers. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. That's the equivalent of a small child. The, The hardcovers do store better, though. On a shelf. Yes. And they Long look term. better on a shelf. Yes. Yeah. In the all the rest category, we have Action Lab, Dog of Wonder number four, 
We have uh, Aftermath, Big there. Clean, number three. Uh, let's see. Awake, number seven. Battlestar Galactica, Gods and Monsters, number one. That looks interesting. Betty and Veronica Holiday, Annual Digest, number 248. Boo World, oh, Boo, World's Cutest Dog, number three. That's the antithesis of um, the grumpy cat thing. Or Yuck, the ugliest dog in the world. Oh, yeah, that too. Uh, <laughs> but I think the publisher of that, was it Dynamite Boom? I forget. They also are doing the Grumpy Cat series. Uh, Faith Ongoing number five comes out. This is the uh, the controversial one with Hillary Clinton on the cover. You also have Flash Gordon King's Cross number one. Hell Child the Unholy number one. Josie and the Pussycats number two. Mercy Sparks Year One number one. Uh, let's see. Sonic Mega Man's World. Let's see. Sonic Mega Man Worlds Unite Trade Paperback Volume Two Broken Bonds. And finally, we Broken have bonds. we have uh, coming out next week. Um, Zombie Tramp Ongoing number twenty nine. And there are uh, six different covers you can get for that. One. So there you go. Those are some of the titles coming out next week. There's your regular cover. Yep. You can you can cover. find. You can find uh, all this uh, list updated Monday at Majorspoilers.com. Next week on Dueling Review. Southern Bastard. It's number 15, written by Jason Aaron, art by Jason Latour. It's a Jason Tour de Force. Coach Boss holds sway over Craw County for one reason. He wins football games. But after the biggest, ugliest loss of his career, the coach must become more of a criminal than ever before if he's going to keep ahead of his enemies. Enemies like Roberta Tubb, who's come to town with a machine gun and some serious questions about how her daddy died. You can show your support for this show and everything we do at Major Spoilers by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash majorspoilers. Your contribution allows us to keep this show going, pay for our growing costs, and gives us the motivation to produce more content for you each and every week. Plus, you get a lot of extras as well. Head over to patreon.com slash majorspoilers. Thank you so much for checking out Dueling Review, and we will talk with you next time when you'll hear Matthew say, Old man, look at your life. I'm a lot like you. This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.